Scripture reading this morning from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I ask God's blessing on the reading of his word. So anger is not something we often deal with in church. We all like to put on happy, joyful faces, especially when we sing such great toe-tapping songs. You know, it's hard to be hard to be glum or angry or anxious or any of those kinds of things. Worship is a time of celebration. It's a time of joy and all of those things. All those things are true, but, you know, we do get angry, don't we? I, I know I do. Ask any of my children or my wife. We all feel anger from time to time, frustration, impatience, like when you are late and so every car in the world suddenly decides to go five miles under the speed limit right in front of you. I swear I could be the last person on earth and someone would be turning left in front of me. (laughs) That kind of anger, we all feel that every once in a while. Or anger because someone hurts your feelings or disappointed you. Like that time you embarrassed me in front of everyone by telling that story I asked you not to tell. I've heard people say to me on occasion. (laughs) And there's an anger that's kind of born out of disappointment. Like when my parents were angry that I stole the candy bar from the store. My anger when I had to go take it back and confess. (laughs) Of course, we, we get angry with God too sometimes, but we have a hard time really admitting that. And there are a lot of reasons for this as well. Uh, you know, bad things seem to happen to good people. And, that, and we wonder at that. Why? Why? Why, Lord, do the evil prosper? Why do people who don't deserve it seem to get all the good stuff in life? And why do such awful things happen to such good people all the time? And, and it's frustrating. And it doesn't make sense. And we get anger. We get angry. And sometimes cheaters do prosper. And sometimes we look around the world and we think, how can a loving God allow this kind of thing to go on? Why doesn't God do something? 
I get these questions all the time, and, and often people who have walked away from their faith altogether chime in with, with this kind of concern, this kind of anger, this kind of frustration. How can a loving God allow such horror in the world we live in today? And I, and, you know, those are hard conversations to have. Sometimes I'm not in a place where I can really have a long conversation about it. And what I say to them is I think God is frustrated with that as well. Frustrated with awful things happening to good people. Most often we're angry at God because of some event that happened. We lost someone dear to us. We have been victimized or by someone or maybe just by the system. Uh, I can tell you my brothers, our brothers and sisters of color these days are finding, are finding their voice and we're hearing about the frustration that has gone on for so long, especially as we celebrate, or not celebrate, but acknowledge the anniversary of slavery here in the United States. You can imagine the frustration and the anger when not so much has changed over the centuries and you can imagine that there's some anger directed at God and directed at the system. And sometimes we just feel like God has let us down. Well, I can tell you, Jeremiah felt that way too. Now, the text we read today was Jeremiah's calling. And he was a young boy, he was a prophet, who was called to serve in the, the uh, late 5th century before Christ. Uh, and called to bring bad news to God's people. And Jeremiah, a young boy, he didn't want to do it. <laughs> He didn't want to do it because he knew that the message God put on his lips was not going to be received well. Plus, he didn't feel up to the task. But God said, sorry, you're my guy. And here's what I got to tell you to do. You got to go tell the people of God that they have been adulterous, that they have forsaken me for idols, and that they will reap the consequences of that. And ultimately, and this is what... Jeremiah does, and the ultimate culmination of everything Jeremiah says is the exile of God's people out of Jerusalem and into Babylon for 40 years. And when Jeremiah came proclaiming this message, they did all kinds of things. They chased him out of villages. They beat him a lot. (laughs) They threw him in prison. People plotted to kill him. Once he was thrown into a well... They burned his scrolls. I can't believe you burned my scrolls. Why are you burning my scrolls? They did all kinds of things. And at some point, Jeremiah began to feel a little bit picked on. A little bit. uh, And it became too much. And he starts to get a little angry. Jeremiah 12, 1 through 4 says this. You will be in the right, O Lord, when I lay charges against you. But let me put my case to you. Why does the way of the guilty prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and you take, they take root. They grow and they bring forth fruit. You are near in their mouths, yet far from their hearts. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test me. My heart is with you. Put them out like sheep to the slaughter and set them apart for the day of the slaughter. 
How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither for the wickedness of those who live in it? The animals and the birds are swept away because the people said he is blind to our ways. He gets so angry, he's so angry and he's saying, God, do something about this. Smite these people. <laughs> Moses was like that too. I love the relationship Moses had with God because sometimes they had this kind of, uh, they had this partnership going on. There are many places in, in the, in the Bible, uh, in the book of, book of Exodus, when Moses is going to God and saying, God, just smite these people, just wipe them out. I am so sick of them. I can't stand them for another moment. And God says, now just a minute, Moses. I got some ideas. Let's try a few things and we'll, we'll sort this out. And then there's other times when God is going, Moses, I'm done with these people. I'm going to smite them. I'm going to take them right out. And Moses is going, now wait a minute, God. I think we can work with this. Let's work this out. So it's, I love reading Exodus because you have this, these wonder, you know, they, they help each other out a little bit. <laughs> And talk each other down off the ledge. And think about Jonah. Jonah was always getting angry at, at, uh, at God. Jonah, who was called to go and, and preach uh, repentance to the folks of Nineveh. I won't get into the whole story, but basically he gets swallowed by a whale because he's trying to, or a fish, because he's trying to run away from God and he's unsuccessful in that. So finally he, he gets spit up on the shore, gets thrown up out of the belly of the fish and with fish gut all over him. He says, fine, fine, I'll go to Nineveh and I'll do what you want. And he goes and he steps into the middle of the city. He says, you got 40 days or God's going to smite you and walks away and I'll be darned if they don't repent. And when they repent and turn to the ways of God, Jonah's mad. And he goes, I just rather, I just want to die. I, why don't you just kill me now? And he goes and he sits underneath a tree. And the tree withers and dies. And he, the heat beats down on him. He goes, I just want to die. And he gets mad at God for withering the tree. And uh, there's, a, there's a point to that. I'll give another sermon. But <laughs> suffice it to say, Jonah is angry at God. And to the point that he just wishes God would just kill him. He'd, he'd rather be dead than live in a world where the Nineveh, the folks of Nineveh have repented. And Je- Jeremiah, Jeremiah blows up at God. In, call, Jeremiah gets so angry with God that Jeremiah calls God a liar to God's face says this in Jeremiah, I should have wrote this down. It's in here somewhere, 12, I think. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You lied to me. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me whenever I speak. I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. You lied to me. I don't, I don't know what he was referring to, but he was mad. He, you lied to me, and all I get is reproach and deceit all day long. Insults. Insults is what I get. He's angry, Jeremiah. And God's reply to Jeremiah is, hey, if you think this is bad, you better get ready, because it's just going to get worse from here on out. I'm not, really, I'm not sure I blame Jeremiah, because <laughs> God doesn't seem very sympathetic. God says this right after that text I just read you. If you had raced with foot runners and they had wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you fall down, how will you fare in the thickest of Jordans? So God says, hey, it's going to get worse. You better get ready. You better pace yourself. 
Uh, and so, you know, God never promised Jeremiah an easy time. God never said, hey, it's going to be, everyone's going to love you, man. Everyone's going to hear the word of God and they're going to think you're great. God never promised that, but God did make some promises to, uh, to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1.19, he says, They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. And eight says, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Well, Jeremiah lets it all out on God, and, and God has made some promises to Jeremiah, but he's still, he's still angry, he's frustrated, and he just lets it fly. He just tells God what's on his heart. He tells him how he's feeling. And, and an amazing thing happens. There's some things that happen as, as Jeremiah be, continues to complain and lament. All of a sudden, as, as the verses go on, all of a sudden Jeremiah's lament turns to praise. And nothing's changed, but all of a sudden, like Jeremiah 16, 19, all of a sudden, Jeremiah starts praising God. Oh Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge on the day of trouble, to you shall all the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, our ancestors have inherited nothing but lies, worthless things in which there is no profit. And Jeremiah 20, 11 through 13 says this, But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. What happened? <laughs> Bad things continued to happen. He continued to get persecuted. The people of God were hauled out to Babylon. But Jeremiah realized, as Jeremiah let all this stuff out, realized that God's hand was with him even in the midst of all of those, that persecution, even in the midst of that agony, even in the midst of that despair. Recognize that it was not God acting against him, but it was God who was sustaining him through all of those things that people were doing to him and their responses. And there's something mysterious and there's something remarkable, there's something amazing about letting God, letting it all out before God. It gives you a new perspective. It doesn't change things. God is not manipulated by our whining, you know, just like my parents. They're not manipulated by my whining or my complaining, right? They're, they're, things are still the same. And yet, there's a new perspective that comes about. And there's something about letting it all out that allows you to see where God is at work in the midst of that. And I can tell you the last thing you want to do when you are angry at God is to keep it all bundled up inside and pretend that you're not really angry. Pretend 
that everything's okay. Pretend that every, you know, you're feeling hunky-dory about the world. God knows it's there. <laughs> God knows it's there. So you may as well let it out. And go ahead. Get angry with God. God is waiting for you to talk about it. God is waiting for you to, to get to the nitty-gritty. And sometimes you have to just spit out words until you finally get to those the real heart of the issue. And you know what? God's shoulders are broad. God can take it. God can take your anger. God can take your frustration. God can take it when you, uh, you call God names. Jeremiah called him a liar. Called God a liar. To, right to God's face. <laughs> if, if you want to cuss, you know what? You're not going to shock God. All right? The people in the other room might be shocked, but God is not going to be shocked by that. Go ahead. I give you, Pastor Curtis gives you permission. Pull out the best words you got. And throw them out there to God and get it out there. Because there's something about just letting it go. Putting it out there. And, and we're promised that, that if we lay our burdens down, God will pick it. Jesus said, has given us the green light to keep it real. Lay our burdens down and before God. All those things. And God will pick it up. And replace it with something light. Jesus calls us to do this. To lay down the bitterness and the anger that is far too heavy for us to carry around. The frustration and the resentment. Jesus is saying, let me have that. Let me hang on to that. Give it over to me. I can carry all of that for you and lighten your load. Let me have it all. The anger, the frustration, the hate, the anguish, the pain. The hurt, the despair, the loneliness, the fear. Jesus can take it on. But it starts by being honest with ourselves and our feelings. When we're glad, rejoice with God. When we're sad, mourn with God. When we are angry, share that with God too. When we do... Though our circumstances may not change, our perspective will. Even though we are sick, we can rejoice in the Lord. Even though our burdens are many, we can rejoice in the Lord. Even though we feel persecuted, we can rejoice in the Lord because we have received the promise. We receive the promise that wherever we go, no matter what is happening to us, that God is there with you. When you are at work and you lose that promotion, I am with you and will rescue you, says the Lord. When you are at home and you and your spouse are frustrated with each other, I am with you and will rescue you, says the Lord. When some sin has you on the ropes for the hundredth time and you're feeling like you'll never get past this bottle or this pipe or these pills or this habit... Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, you are with me. Amen? And when we just don't understand how we could lose that person, lo, I am with you even unto the end of the age. Lose our job or our spouse leaves us or we just feel like we've had it up to here. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go.
Amen? God wants a real, honest, deep relationship with you and with me. And God's commitment to us is that no matter what we are feeling, no matter what we are going through, no matter what is in our hearts, even anger to the point of of just hating God, no matter what, God will be there to work through it all with us. Amen? Let us pray. O God, whose strength knows no bounds, O God, who can carry our heaviest burdens, O God, who can take our biggest frustrations, we thank you. And we ask that you would help us learn to be real, learn to look in ourselves, learn to let it out to you, and knowing that that as we are real with you, as we let it all out before you, that somehow there is a mysterious thing that draws us close to you and we feel your mercy, we feel your grace, and we begin to see the light and the hope. Know that you are with us in the darkest of times. Thank you for that.